Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's Game. It's like Game 5 of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns, in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You are welcome. Now, look, people know that we do no preparation for this show, right? I mean, I mean, it's Correct. not like, first of all, we've told them we do no preparation for this show, but it's not like they could listen to the show and think that we had done any preparation, right? So they know. If you If you didn't know that we did no preparation for the show. And then you listen to the show, you would quickly realize slash learn. Yeah, you would no never listen to the show and think, I bet they spent hours working that out. No, they <laughs> they know there's no preparation. But even... <laughs> how, long, how long did they rehearse this is what they're... Yeah, they're out there. They're like, oh my gosh. I mean, the timing is just like... It's, a, it's balletic. <laughs> it's almost like a Cirque du Soleil show with it, in terms of its choreography. Even uh, by our usual standards of of no preparation, I would say this show is going to set a record for the least amount of preparation. Would you agree? Okay. So what you're referring to is the fact that I emailed you about eight, eight minutes, minutes ago, ago and said, "Hey, I can do that. I can do this right now." And you said, "Let me check with Marissa, our producer, and then then now we're doing it." So that's what you're talking about. But I would counter argue that actually this has been. Uh, uh, in the works for a little while longer because when Kim Ang, we're going to talk about Kim Ang today. Can when Kim Ang was named the um, the general manager of the Marlins, you texted me and said, hey, if we did a emergency podcast for Tony yes. Russa, which is about a sad right. thing. <laughs> a terrible, baseball, really bad we, thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, <laughs> we ought to do one for Kim Ang, which is a good, happy, positive thing in baseball. And so, so we've been preparing to do this for a few days now we just haven't quite yeah, found the right, right time now it did we we did so it came together very quickly but we've been sort of thinking about uh doing this that for is true days. on the kimming part of course we also then said hey we ought to do a draft and we came up with a draft literally eight minutes ago that neither one of us has thought about for one minute uh so you know Correct. the rest of it will feel it here's what i can tell people are not gonna be able to tell the difference they're not it's not like they're gonna go oh no. you know they seem less prepared than usual for this one you could cut out this entire <laughs> intro that we've been rambling on about for the last five minutes and no one would know any different. Yeah. No, they would not. The, the, uh, yes, the impetus for this show is, first of all, the wonderful hiring of Kim Ng to be the new general manager of the Florida Marlins. And yes, the fact that last week or two weeks ago, I guess now, we did an emergency podcast when the Chicago White Sox 
just did this like sad trombone thing of hiring Tony La Russa as, <laughs> as their general manager, which by the way, got sadder amazingly. Oh, it gets, sad. it gets sadder <laughs> it got, every day. <laughs> it got sadder after we did it because it wasn't until after the show that we realized that the White Sox had hired him knowing full well that he was uh, arrested for uh, another DUI, not the first in his career. Mm-hmm. And, and not not just a DUI, but just sort of a sort of the ultimate like gets the DUI, then says to the police, "Do you know who I am?" And shows them the World Series ring and says, "Man, I'm a Hall of Famer, man. I'm a, I'm a real Hall of Famer." So like, just- no, listen, this is important. It's important to get this detail right. Yeah, let's get it. Exactly. What he actually said. This is according to Jeff Passan, who wrote who who got the tip about the the actual police report and then like wrote about it all, all credit to Jeff Passan yes. as usual, all credit to Jeff Passan in terms of things written about baseball, what he actually said, and I believe this is very important and we should get it right. What he actually said was, I'm a hall of famer baseball man. That's the actual <laughs> sentence. I am a hall of famer Wait, baseball. Didn't man. he say now, brother, was, I'm a hall of famer baseball man. Yes. I, <laughs> I believe that's correct. I believe he called the police officer brother and said, I'm a Hall of Famer, or maybe he was a Hall of Famer baseball guy. I can't remember. But the point is, if you're, it's it, sometimes it's hard when you read a transcript of an exchange between two people to tell just how intoxicated <laughs> one of them is. But if you say the words, I'm a Hall of Famer baseball guy, or I'm a Hall of Famer baseball either man, one. in, in, like, either one, in, in a, in what you're, in your head is a, a classic sort of drunk guy voice, <laughs> it gives you a really good, indication of how drunk he actually was. Now listen, it should be noted, neither of us takes alcoholism lightly no. as a no. as a as a societal problem, as a disorder, as a disease. Uh, many people in my family have suffered from alcoholism, a lot of friends sure. and family as I'm sure yours too because it affects everyone, every family in the world, and we're not making light in any way of alcoholism. What no. we are doing is pointing out the fundamental absurdity in A, hiring a 76-year-old guy to run a team, B, hiring a 76-year-old guy to run a team that's exclusively composed of very young players, C, hiring a guy after his second DUI a decade apart, which means, means by the way, he's been drinking and driving a lot longer than those two times. <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. A, I, don't, I don't think the cops happened to catch him the only two times he drunkenly drove. And D, h- hiring a guy to run a young team uh, comprised mainly of uh, Latino players who publicly supported SB 1070 in right. Arizona, uh, whatever it was a decade ago, which was a, a bill that basically made it legal to uh, for police and authorities to racially profile all Hispanic people. And again, Latinos are not monolithic. There are Cuban players on the team. There are uh, there are other players from all sorts of different countries on the White Sox. It's not like all Latinos are one thing. However, he basically came out and said, "Yeah, anyone who looks Hispanic, uh, pull them over and yeah. uh, arrest them." That that yeah. was his attitude. So so that so we went through that. We went through all of it a while ago, and uh, and it just it makes me it still bums still me so out, sad. desperately bums me out. But then, just when you think there no good news is going to rise up out of the world of baseball in the offseason, what happens? The Marlins hire it's Kim It's a. so wonderful and so delightful. And, and such a, I would say it's a surprise exactly in the sense of that Kim has been a, a candidate before. Her name is, has been named before. 
But I would say, wouldn't you agree that this, like there wasn't any lead up to the announcement. Like a lot of times, like, oh, this team is about to make history. They're about to do this. They're, you know, and you kind of hear rumors right. and whispers. As far as I can tell, I mean, maybe if you were following the Marlins closely, which, you know, is four people. Um, as far as I can tell, this kind of came out of nowhere, which made it, I mean, for at least for me, super duper delightful because it was like, it was in the middle of a day, like we were all sort of confused about what's even happening in our country. And, and there's just not a whole lot of good news, no matter what you happen to believe uh, on, on social media. And then this wonderful piece of joy where baseball finally hires a woman to run a baseball organization. Uh, I, I just, it couldn't have been more delightful for me. It was so great. Yeah. Uh, several things to say about this, obviously. Um, the first is you're totally right. Uh, the, the, the casualness with which it was done, yes. I think it's very important because if you are a part of any group of people who has been overlooked, held back, denied access, any of those things, you don't want fanfare. You don't want to stand on a, on a lazy Susan uh, and have a spotlight right. shown on you as you wave to the crowd because the whole point of this is progress doesn't actually happen until it is not interesting or a big yes. deal to have to get the job that you're after. So the, the fact that it was just like, yeah, here's our hire. Here she is. The, everybody knows her. She's been around for a long time. Uh, that was really important. And it was really well done, um, which is not a thing that you can say very often about the Miami Marlins franchise or baseball. over the last or baseball in general, 20 yeah. years or, or MLB in general. Yes. But here's the, so here's just to get the record, to get on the record. So she's the first woman to hold a GM job uh, on a men's team in any yes. sport, in any major That's North right. American sport. OK, she's also the first Asian-American person of any gender to have a GM job in Major League Baseball. Uh, she is also, therefore, the first Asian-American woman to hold the job. So there's all these all these dominoes are falling, right? All these glass ceilings are being shattered. But here's the, here's what's important to know about her, in my mind. If I gave you her profile, and I didn't tell you who I was talking about, and I said, oh, look, she came up, uh, this here, here's a person, person X, I say, uh, went to the University of Chicago, one of the great universities in the world. She worked in a bunch of, for the White Sox, she was a, you know, she worked her way up. She started with like a low level, I think she was a radar gun operator. She was, you know, she just worked her way up. So, uh, and, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm supposed not supposed to use pronouns because I'm, because I'm giving you this imaginary hypothetical <laughs> right. person. So person X work, uh, gets hired, goes to University of Chicago, gets hired, works uh, his or her way up through the, uh, through the White Sox organization. Uh, this person who I'm talking about, who you don't know, uh, gets hired in, in, uh, in 1998 by the right. Yankees, uh, the premier franchise in all of baseball as an assistant general manager. And this person went upon being hired by the Yankees in 1998, became the youngest assistant general manager in baseball uh, on any team, uh, right? So then this person that you don't know who I'm talking about uh, <laughs> went to the Dodgers, uh, served as a vice president of the Dodgers and assistant GM of the Dodgers at age like 33 or something, 32. Uh, in 2005, this person got interviewed for the Dodgers GM position and was passed over for the great Ned Coletti. Uh, who we all remember as uh, doing an amazing what, job and never making a wrong incredible decision. Incredible work. But. <laughs> right. So this person now is like 35, 36 years old, something like that, Has been in a, was the youngest assistant GM in baseball, got interviewed for the job of the GM position for one of the premier franchises in the game. 
And then 15 years went by, and that person did not get hired as GM. Not by the Mariners, not by the Giants, not by the Padres, not by the Angels, not by the Dodgers, not by the Yankees. No team after, for 15 years, this wunderkind uh, who rose up through the ranks incredibly quickly and got to the point where he or she was being interviewed for a GM position at age 35 by one of the great franchises in the sport— 15 years went by and that person was not given a shot. You would say to yourself, what the hell? Yeah. Who? Why not? That's crazy. And what What did this person do? Would this person get t- two DUIs <laughs> <laughs> well, over, over a decade? Uh, did this person... Did this person, uh, you know, uh, publicly support some kind of terrible <laughs> bill that made racial profiling legal? You would, you would certainly think that this person had done something very bad. And what it turns out is, and we don't know whether Kim's uh, reign as the Marlins GM is going to be good or bad. They don't have any money. They're constantly dumping all right. their players, blah, 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 blah. Who knows? But the truth of the matter is the reason that 15 years went by and Kim didn't get a job, uh, the kind that she had interviewed for multiple times in multiple positions, is because she was a woman. And so now you get to this point where uh, that goes away, and it goes away annoyingly for us because of Derek Jeter, (laughs) which I really hate. I really hate how much I have to admire and respect Derek Jeter now, but that we'll hold that for later. That's a later story. But but really what has happened and the reason this is cause for such celebration isn't just she's the first woman, she's the first Asian American, she's the first Asian American woman, any of that stuff. It's because she deserves the job. Absolutely. It's because a person a person who did a good job at her job and then was denied that job, uh, the, the top job in an organization for almost two decades got a job she deserves and yeah. that anytime that happens you just it's cause for celebration That's exactly right well you know and look I, I think this is an obvious piece of this you know but but not to be glossed over she got to the Yankees in 98 and they won three consecutive World Series as an, when she was the assistant right. general manager when yes, you're hiring yes. general managers don't you look at the team that has won three in a row and said I want somebody in that front office I mean that's that's how that works you know what it reminds me of at least at least somewhat I mean it is very different because look she is the first woman hired in any sport to to run a team uh so this is you know this is a big this is a big deal, and I'm sure that there were steps that, you know, you know, things that people in their minds they had to get over to make this happen and so on. We, you, we can get into all that if we want. But it reminds me of something that's not quite as, as true, but when Tony Dungy finally got hired by Tampa Bay, do you remember how many times Tony Dungy interviewed for a job? Yeah. He interviewed like, you know, and everybody was like, Tony Dungy's awesome. He's so great. Okay, but he can't get a job. And they got interviewed and interviewed and interviewed, and nobody would give him a job. To the point where you were like, okay, obviously, look, there, it was at a time where it was very, very difficult to become a head coach. He was not the first African-American head coach, but he was one of the first. And and he was, it was at a time when it was very difficult. You had to overcome a lot of things. And then Tampa Bay hired him. And then I remember thinking, well, maybe there's something wrong with Tony Dungy. You know, I mean, maybe there's something, I mean, it, it, look, at the end of the day, these teams are trying to win. Uh, you know, and, and nobody would hire him. And finally Tampa Bay hires him. And then you're like, well, we'll see what he is. 
And then he's awesome. He's a great coach. He turns out to be a great coach and he wins at Tampa Bay. And then yeah. he goes to the Colts and wins Super Bowl and does all the things. And he becomes like, not just a great coach, but a stalwart of the league. And you know, however you feel about Tony Dungy, he became sort of a face of the NFL and they wouldn't hire him for years. I don't know if that's how it's going to work out for Kim, because as you say, uh, she faces, you know, all of the things that we knew about the Marlins before they hired her still true. They, they still are kind of a disaster yeah. of an organization. They still have no money. They still have, you know, all of these issues, but you know, that's the, the truth of the matter is you can't get hired for a good team. Like, like good, good teams. I mean, it's amazing. The, the most amazing run. And of course we've, we've done entire podcasts entirely dedicated to him. The most amazing run was Theo Epstein because he got that job just as that team was getting ready to get, you know, they were already really, really good. And, you know, he did, he did the final touches and all that, but you don't get jobs like that. Those jobs don't come open where like the team is great and they, and they just, you know, are maybe one or two things away and you don't get those jobs. The truth of the matter is that you get jobs like the Marlins job. So I, you know, I can't tell you how much I'm rooting for her. I, I think that that uh, she's everything I know about her. I've, I've spoken with her on just a couple of occasions, but everything I know about her, she's awesome. There's not a single person I've ever met who doesn't think that she could have run a team 20 years ago or 15 years ago. So it's just it's just so positive and such good news, because one thing that you and I have talked about in this podcast again and again is for all of these years, Major League Baseball and all the other sports who now have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what are we going to do here? All of these teams have been working at 50% capacity because they have never. Isn't it you amazing? Know, it's just, it's yeah. incredible. They're like, oh, we'll do anything to win. Yeah, except for hire people that don't quite fit in your mindset of what it's supposed to, you know, a, a coach or a, or a GM are supposed to look like. And so. This is the thing, honestly, that I've been the most obsessed with, right? Is like, look, 25 years ago, the Moneyball revolution starts in yes. earnest. Billy Bean starts finding market inefficiencies and he finds guys who walk a lot or he finds, you know, club footed pitchers who have a low <laughs> uh, whip or whatever. And and he manages on a shoestring budget to right. compete with teams with three times his payroll. And then the concept of exploiting market inefficiencies kind of spreads yes. throughout the league, right? And so then you have the Red Sox and you have the even the Yankees with their gigantic payroll and the Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays right. and all these teams. They start to do the same thing. And they have these advanced metrics and they have all this incredibly advanced science where they say, oh, this guy is actually worth 27 defensive runs saved over the course of blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. And because of that, the competition in the league is is enormous, and the and the margins are tiny, and you know uh, this the you know everyone is looking for the tiniest edge in player evaluation. Meanwhile, they are ignoring fifty <laughs> percent of the population, <laughs> not as players, obviously, but in terms of their scouts and their GMs and their assistant GMs and their front offices and their and their everybody's. They are not totally, but essentially ignoring the potential talent pool of tens of millions of people. And the idea that it took this long for anyone to say, hey, in a world where we're looking for market inefficiencies, how about opening the door to half of the population in terms of uh, running a team? And again, look, this is this is the first domino to fall. And I hope that, I very much hope, 
that in five years or 10 years, it's like, oh, there's 11 GMs in in the game who are women, and there's six of them are East Asian and four of them are South Asian and whatever. That I hope that's what happens. What I what I fear is that, and this is the way this often goes for firsts, you know, for any minority group, any oppressed group that's or where there's a first person. You know, the Marlins are on a knife's edge all yes. the time. They had a really good 60 game season. They have some really young and exciting players. They have some really good pitching. But they also have a they have forty dollars to put their team together every year, forty total dollars to divide among their twenty five man roster. And so I just hope that if the Marlins regress a little next year, or if she makes a trade or two that doesn't totally pan out, or whatever, I just you know the here's the last thing I'll say about this as a way of explaining what I'm talking about. So you remember the movie Crazy Rich yes. Asians that came out a few years ago, right? So Crazy Rich Asians was directed by a guy named John Chu, and I don't know him, but you know he's a, he's a big director now. And, uh, and so when they were shopping that movie around, the story that I heard from multiple people was they had every, everybody made an offer, you know, every studio and everything, and, and Netflix made a huge offer. And what they said, John Chu and the other, I think, people who were you know, in charge of making the movie, what they said was basically, look, this is an all-Asian cast. It's an Asian director, East Asian director. And it's for, for many reasons, it's important to us that we are released in theaters in the way that movies have always been released in theaters. And we want to be the number one movie in the country the week that we're released because those are the kinds of things that matter. Like they, they matter for history and they matter sure. for optics and all that sort of stuff. So, so that's what they did. And, and that's, and it, and it worked and they, a movie came out. It was an enormous success. It's a really funny movie. They, it was number one in the box office. It was a big deal. And that was a story that this was, you know, the first yes. essentially all East Asian cast and East Asian directed movie that was number one at the box office. But and that's wonderful. But the thought that I had at the time was uh, was that here here's what real success looks like. Real success for the specifically for the East Asian movie making community doesn't just look like we can make a movie with only East Asian actors and East Asian director and have it be number one at the box office. What it really looks like is that guy, John Chu, who, again, I don't know, uh, but admire, uh, that that guy can make four movies in a row that stink right. and that right. totally flop, and a studio will still pay him to direct another movie. <laughs> because ultimately, that is the story of institutions like Major League Baseball and Hollywood and every place else that's been male-dominated for their entirety um, is what what will really matter and when you'll know that there's actual sort of gender parity within baseball is when someone like Kim can uh, run four different teams and run them all into the ground right. and be terrible at her job and still get hired somewhere else <laughs> that, that's what that's what that's what the true measure of success will be I think for women within baseball and is that they get the same number of chances after stinking at their jobs that NFL head coaches do that ML other that Ned Coletti does <laughs> that all of those people who are who are mediocre that that's when there will be true parody I think is when it isn't like we're celebrating Kim Ang getting hired by the Marlins it's when we're we don't even notice that a random woman X gets hired by the Milwaukee Brewers even though she just left a disastrous <laughs> four-year term running the uh, you know the Padres that will be that's what true parody looks like i think no that's right well, i i can't remember who it was i don't know if it was don baylor 
or if it was actually the original Frank Robinson, but one of the early black managers said exactly that. Like it's like it, it's not being the first black manager. It's being the first black manager that gets fired and hired again. Like that's, that's when, that's right. when you start seeing success. And I, I think that's a hundred percent right. I, you know, I, I think we should, we should say, I mean, GMs across baseball, especially these days, man, that is, it's high pressure and it is, it is not, you're not long for this game very often. I mean, you're, right. these right. guys just, they just get fired repeatedly. I mean, you know, they're the, the angels just fired their GM and just, just hired a new one. The Phillies did it again. They just hired a new GM and they just fired. I mean, you know, it's so high pressure. So, so, you know, what, what's going to really frustrate the just, and, and you know, it's coming. If the Marlins do struggle, you just hear the, well, that, that didn't work. You know, that, that, that right. line of, of, of thinking that line of logic. I mean, we need to, we need to kill that right now because that's just, it's, yeah. it's the odds are against her. Let's just be perfectly honest. It's always against you. The odds are against the new GM and with the angels. I mean, that team has, has had Mike Trout for eight years and they've never done a thing. I mean, your odds are against you. You know, the odds are against you. If you take that Phillies job, that, that place is, uh, is, has been a, a, you know, a haunted house ever since they were, were good in the late two thousands. And, and the odds are really against you with the Marlins. They just are. So, you know, what I want to see is, and this is going to be interesting. Do you think she will come in and do things differently? Like follow the instincts that, that have gotten her here, which is an amazing place to be. She's, she's been a GM, uh, an assistant GM for a couple of the, of the biggest teams in baseball. And she's worked for major league baseball, which has given her really a nice wide view of the game. So do you think she's going to be able to go in and she seems everything about her is super confident and, and doesn't seem like she's, you know, she's, she's not, she's not celebrating, you know, she's like, okay, this is, let's get to work. Do you think she'll go in and do things differently? Or do you think it's so hard not to go in and feel pressure and just kind of try to play it safe? And, and I don't know. I mean, what, based on what you see with that situation, what do you think, what do you think it's going to look like with her as GM? I would hope and assume that she's going to go in and run that team exactly the way she thinks it should be run. No more, yeah. no less. She's not going to, I, I, again, I don't know her, obviously. I've never yeah. spoken to her. I only know about her as the person who, uh, in, in whatever it was, 1998, it was like, oh my God, the Yankees hired a woman as an assistant <laughs> right. GM. That's cool. And then I've just seen her name floating around for years. And every three years, some GM position would open up and she would get an interview and you would be like, oh, that same woman is still trying to get a GM <laughs> job and the teams are still uninterested in giving it to her. And so I, I, I can't imagine that after everything she's been yeah. through, that after getting the job she has, has, you know, has been, has wanted for 20 years and deserves to have had for 20 years, that she would suddenly start playing it safe. I think she's going to get in there and do exactly what she thinks is the right thing to do in any given situation for a GM. And I think that's what she should do. Like, I don't see any reason to change now. Again, she, she's a university of Chicago graduate with three world right. series rings as an assistant GM. Like I don't, why, why should she do anything? And by the way, again, this is what's so infuriating about this is that Derek Jeter is the one who hired her, which again, really annoys me. 
<laughs> but like Derek Jeter knew her because he was on those Yankee yes. teams and clearly has been like and, and like admires her and thinks she's the right person for the job. Why would Derek Jeter tell her to do anything different? Now, will there be any kind of learning curve? Probably. Everybody who levels up has some kind of learning curve, but but I don't anticipate her pulling her punches at all. I think she's going to be the, the, you know, everybody who works in as a sort of number in a number two capacity or an assistant capacity for as long as she has, uh, has learned what she thinks is good about the people who do the job and what she thinks is bad. And your job when you level up and get to that top line position is to keep the things you think are good and not do the things you think were bad. And I'm sure that's, I'm guessing that's what she'll do. Like I, again, it's like, there's no reason for her to approach her job any differently than anyone else has ever approached this job. You get into that position, you evaluate your team, you evaluate your resources, you look at the health of the club, you make deals, you sign contracts, you sign extensions, you cut people. It's a ruthless it job, and she's doing it, like you said, with with the team with the lowest payroll in baseball or, or close to it. Now, granted, a team with some, again, some good young talent and and potentially a bright future, but playing in a city where no one cares about the team in a, in what will be year two of a pandemic. I mean, it's the, 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 the deck is stacked against her, but like you said, the deck is stacked against literally every GM except for Brian Cashman. So, (laughs) so, (laughs) and I, and I guess whoever happens to be running the Dodgers now that they, now although, that they finally have the, the monkey off their back. Although I would say the stack, the deck was somewhat stacked against you for different reasons with the Dodgers, but Andrew Friedman is, he's pretty good at this. He's like, it seems like he. Yeah, Andrew Friedman, <laughs> he went from being the, the guy who ran the team with the lowest or second lowest payroll to a, to the team with yeah. the highest payroll. So he, when you, he, when he you take that, that acumen yeah. and apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but <laughs> it I. It works think, out better at the end. But what I think is great about this, I mean, look, you're right. She should have been hired. You know, obviously years years ago, she's been interviewed many times. But I will say, I mean, and this is just, you know, I don't know specifically if this is the case with her, but with other people, I don't know. Maybe if she's hired, then she doesn't. You know, she's she's seen a lot. What this is what exactly what you say is what I want to see from her, and I believe we will. And that is go in your team. You take it over. You run it exactly the way you want to run it. You you're bold and you're courageous and and you don't play it safe. Okay, especially with the Marlins. And look, she's a, a, an unusual talent. So she might have been able to do that when she was thirty. But I would say that she probably has a better chance of doing it at fifty. You know, I just think you've seen you've seen how rare things are. You're you're obviously uh, you know. I mean, let's face it. You can't. There's no way to deny or overlook the impact this is going to have. And my daughters are beside themselves with joy that that there's a woman running a baseball team. I mean, they it is the first time they like baseball, but now they see themselves in baseball in a different way. And, right. and it's so great. So all of that is there. And that's a lot. And I'm not saying she couldn't have handled it at 30 because she, um, she probably could have and she should have. But... Now that she's been through all of this and 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 interviewed so many times and and I just I'm really optimistic about her just going in and doing some things that uh, are going to be pretty exciting. I think I I'm really hopeful for that. You know. Yeah. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. 
Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Yes, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall. Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break. Alley hoop to Giannis for an iconic slam. Seals game five and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. I mean, again, the the world that she's in, and and this is why, um, the, this is why the the Tony Larusa thing matters. <laughs> the world she's in is a world and a in a, a corporation and a club, in which a hundred and thirty year old Jerry Colangelo <laughs> can regret not hiring a hundred and fourteen year old Tony Larusa seventy six years ago, and then when this kind of really great one of the uh, wouldn't you agree? that coaching the White Sox in 2021 is one of the premier coaching opportunities in sports. No doubt about it. In, in, at least in baseball, no right? No doubt about it. This, su- super exciting team, super young, legitimate ace, five legitimate great hitters, and an exciting team, a team that could could steal that city back from yeah. the Cubs with, with how exciting and talented they are. The reigning AL MVP in Jose Abreu, one of the most fun players in the game in Tim Anderson. Aloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada, like they have this incredible roster. They're young and exciting and 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 forward thinking and great. And uh, Colangelo hires Tony Larusa, <laughs> and that might blow up. You know that all of the news that's come out with Jeff Passan's reporting and other people's reporting that might blow up. They might have to cut bait know. on that's him. A, Who it's knows a, that's before. a really good question. Do you think they will? If they they seem locked in on this terrible hire well because it's this because it's this 50 year old like <laughs> regret it's jerry colangelo this is rosebud for him like that's what's going on here he's this is like the end of citizen kane he has a chance to go before he dies he has a chance to go f- sled on rosebud <laughs> one more time so of course he's locked into it but that but the point is is that like whether or not they cut bait, that is the world that Kim Ang is That's stepping right. into. It's the it's the it's this clubby, like leather chair, sipping brandy and smoking <laughs> cigars and talking about the game. 
kind of a world and and they don't a lot of them don't want her there that's why she kept interviewing and kept not getting the job they were maybe it was lip service or maybe they walked to the edge of the uh you know walked a little bit out onto the ledge and then right. walked back and just couldn't get themselves to do it but whatever the situation is she is has a very high powered position in a world that where Jerry Colangelo hires Tony the Russa to manage his team in 2021 so you know ag- again deck stacked against her but it, because of that, because of how stacked against her it really is, she should just go for it. She should do everything she wants to do in the same exact way that a man would do that <laughs> if, if given the job. Don't be, you know, you got to be political a little bit, I guess. But, like, don't, well, don't why pull your punches? Like, you got, you got your shot. Like, I, I assume and would, would hope that she's going to run the team exactly the way that she thinks the team should be run and make zero compromises for any other reason. Well, and—, and, and- Yes, I mean, look, I I don't know her well enough to to give her advice and and wouldn't dare to do it anyway. She's a million times smarter than I am. Um but having watched a lot of people come in, good people, come into a GM job and sort of walk to the edge, but but you know, walk away with regrets when they get when they get let go. Walk away with regrets. So I should have pushed harder. I should have done this. I there were a couple of times that I would you know walk to the edge of a deal and then backed away, or or I you know let other people talk me into doing this, and you know I I think for her and 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 that's why I'm so excited about it because I think with the journey she's on, I don't think she walks away with regrets. I think she's going to go out there and do it the way she wants to do it, and that's because I think that is a real uh it's a real trap. Because I've seen it happen with general managers where, you know, right. they're, they go in like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then, you know, everybody around you tells you, you can't do that. And you know, your whole, you're not going to fire your whole staff and your, you know, your staff is, is used to doing it this way and they want to keep doing it this way. And, and, you know, you get tired of the fights and you're just like, Oh, just fine. Let's do it that way. And then, you know, it's your head on the line eventually. And when you get let go, you just kind of, you know, that's that's when you do, you know, invite the sports writer out to a bar and just talk about all the things that you wish you had done. And <laughs> and I don't, you know, I mean, I don't, like I say, what's so exciting to me is everything I know about Kim, uh, Kim Ng is that there's, that will not be her. That she will, she will go in there. And look, I don't, I also don't know what the, I don't know what it's like to work for Derek Jeter. I don't know what it's like to work for that team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to, uh, you know, try to, to be hands-on or, or whatever the case may be, but I don't think she would have taken the job necessarily if that was the case. And, uh, and we should say something more. The Marlins put out a tweet today, you know, they did one of those, how it started, how it, where it is now, you know, that, that, that's so right. And the first one was a young Derek Jeter with a young Kimming, uh, just after she got hired for the 98 Yankees. And then the second one was them hugging now. And dude, Derek Jeter, we, we've, we, we can't go enough on this podcast about how much we dislike Derek Jeter. Dude, it almost brought me to tears. I mean, it was just, it's, yeah. it almost yeah. brought me to Me too, tears. man. Wasn't it annoying? I was so annoyed. I was really annoyed. I'm so upset about this. Anyone but Jeter. And because now I have to, I have to like, I can't say anything bad about him for like years I, I, that he, he he he's done the most progressive thing. It's the most progressive hire, probably. And this is saying something. It's in the class of Jackie Robinson yeah, and Frank in terms Robinson. of advancements exactly right. for the game. Yeah. 
Yes, it is. It is a it is a absolute glass ceiling shattering move. And obviously, I don't think it'll have the cultural impact nearly no, that Jackie different. Robinson did, or maybe that even Frank Robinson did. It's not the same thing. It's different, but but it is a barrier. It a a barrier has gone down, um, and because of Derek <laughs> Jeter. And man, is that so irritating? I really don't like it. I don't like how I feel. Now, the one thing I'll say about about the the bigger situation is that the Marlins as a franchise and their fan base, whatever to whatever extent it has one, is so used to like low expectations yes. and and things getting blown up and destroyed and and players getting traded away. Uh, you know, it's in the last five years, it's been Stanton and Yelich and Ridiculous. all the like and literally Asuna, every, yeah, no, it's all of them. Yeah. Real Muto and everybody. <laughs> so it, it may be the perfect scenario for her because if she can manage to just to like not piss off Miami as much as the previous owners and GMs have done, maybe it'll work out great. Like it might be like, Oh my God, we had this good player. We didn't trade him. Like that's incredible. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to look on the bright side of the whole thing because it's um, because it has the potential to be seismic and, and in terms of the way that not just major league baseball front offices, but sports front offices in general are run. And that could be really, well, really and there is one other element to this, but by the way, before I get to the one other element to this, I do want to point out, you mentioned JT real Muto. Uh, are you, are you a little bit, Shock that everybody's treating him like Johnny Bench as he becomes a free agent this year. It's a it's very weird. Free agent I know, class. but that's it's, so. It's a, like, it's, I mean, look, he's a good. He's a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player, but he's not like they're like, oh, 200 million for JT. Like, what are you talking about? Like, isn't he like? He's like just a good player. That's all he is. He's. I mean, he's. He's not a great player. I don't know. I, I he's one of the three best free agents yeah, in this yeah. class. I mean, well, I think it's like him and Turner and well, no, uh, no. I would else? say well, you got you got Bauer, you got Springer, right? You got uh, you got. Um, I'm losing. There are a couple of uh, pretty big ones. Um, well, he's top. Okay, he's top five. He's top five. Top 10, he's top certainly. five. Yeah, and and because of the, his position, he he's a very. It's like if you can add a good hitting catcher. And by the way, total side note to this side note: Did you see the rumors that the Yankees are considering getting rid of Gary Sanchez? I mean, I has anyone fallen? Has anyone fallen further in in history in in three years? I mean, he went from the Kraken and he's the future of the franchise and he hit, you know, he hit 20 home runs in his first 50 games yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. And now they're like, they're they're They might like non tender him for God. Well, sake. that's it the question. If you, if, if you were running a club, if you were running the Red Sox, which you should be by the way, cause they would still have Mookie. If you were running the Red Sox, uh, would you sign him? Would you sign Gary Sanchez? I mean, he's Arb two, I think this year. Right. So, uh, I mean, so that's, there'll be some he, decent money for Arb two player. And I mean, I don't know. He, he's I mean, he's he what? Can't. He's an eight or ten million dollar guy, right? Yeah, probably ten year, million bucks. Like You'd have to do it like on I, a one year deal and kind of hope. But is he worth that? He is not. I would take a flyer, take a flyer. on Gary That's Sanchez right. at eight million bucks to to see if someone could fix his swing and and he, make dude, him care he, about defense. Yeah, he hit one forty seven. I mean, I realize it was I a know. partial year, but one for you don't see numbers that low like that's. That's an astonishingly known number, 147. More than half of his hits, though, were extra base hits, so you got to give him that. 
<laughs> he had eight hits and five of them were extra base hits. What I was going to say, Sanchez, though, for, for, put that aside. Put that aside. What I was going to say about Kimming uh, is this: there's another really cool element to this, which is baseball. Look, if anybody had said to me who's going to be the first woman running a club, I would have said the NBA. Right? That's the first woman who's going to be a of coach. Of course, be in the NBA. So for baseball to jump in and sort of. Like this is baseball's birthright is is breaking some glass ceilings, obviously with Jackie. That's right. I I just think, you know, I mean, people are on baseball. It should have happened earlier, but look, they were the ones that did it, and and the Marlins are the ones that did it, and that made me feel good. That made me feel good for the sport. Maybe for the first time in quite a while. In fact, I do. I I totally agree. Like as defenders of the game, we haven't had a lot to crow right. about. Uh, in terms of its its you know its politics and its sort of place in society, this is something to legitimately crow about. Now, again, will there ever be ever 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 a female manager of a team? I would bet against it. At least in the next fifty years, I think there will be a uh, there will be an NBA coach who's a woman With, within first, the next if that within ever the next happens. five years. I think. Don't yeah, you think? Yes, I think yes, I do. I think that I think that because of guys like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and and some other people who have advocated for that, I think that will happen and I think that it'll happen fairly soon. I can't imagine a a woman ever managing a baseball team. It's hard to imagine a woman ever coaching an NFL team. But again, let's this isn't a time for for sadness. This is a time for well, happiness but, and but celebration I, but I think, because you're right. Think, there is a this is a big deal. It is a big deal, but I think there's a good point though. I mean, Look, there are more women coaches in the NFL now than ever before, which is very exciting. And and it's still a very small number. But, you know, that number grows a little bit and grows a little bit. I feel like um, in some ways I feel like that is the sport where, uh, you know, not to, not to say that there are certain things that women do better than men or whatever. But, you know, when you're an NFL coach – that more than baseball and more than the NBA, you're more of a CEO than you are. I mean, obviously you coach some, but I mean, you're really organizing and, and, and designing. And I mean, it's, you're running a big operation. Um, man, I, I, I think in some ways I would not be surprised. I look, and we are potentially talking a while, maybe not. I mean, this things can move fast too. I would not be surprised if there was a woman coach in the NFL before there was a woman manager in baseball. Interesting. Yeah, I would say there will definitely be a female coordinator, yeah. if that counts, before there's a, long before there's a coach. I, 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 it's very hard for me to imagine with all the machismo and all the garbage That's that the, the NFL deals with. I, it, it's hard to imagine a head coach in the NFL being a woman. But I would, I would. Uh, I I think I would argue that there will be a coordinator, offensive or defensive coordinator, or at least like special teams coordinator or something at some point in the next you know decade, twenty years. Yeah. Like well, that. and then of course once you get there, you could you could go to coach. I think this is the order, and I would not have put this in the order. Obviously, we got the first woman uh, running a club in baseball, which is awesome for the sport and awesome for baseball. Uh, I think she's going to do a good job, and I don't think she's going to be the last. I really, I mean, like, she's certainly not going to be the last, but I don't think she's even going to be the last in this cycle. I think that over the next five to ten years, there will be other women who will who will be GMs in baseball, I think, I hope. Uh, I think there's going to be a coach, a woman coach in basketball pretty soon. Like, I think that you already 
will start interviewing women for head coach for coaching jobs like now, like immediately. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that could happen really soon, like in the next five years. I'm 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 hopeful. I do think that there are going to be more women coaches in the NFL. I don't know when we're going to see like a woman coach in baseball. Like I like I like that feels to me like. Like a bench coach, yeah, or like, like a, a bench coach, coach or, or a third base coach, or or anything like that. I that that feels to me like a like a uh, like a, a glad like a ceiling that's that's tough to break through. I I mean that that feels tougher to me uh, for some reason. I don't know why it is. It shouldn't be, but that to me feels like the or I don't have any concept about what the role of women right now is in the NHL. I don't even know what that is, but but yeah, but either. that feels uh, it just feels to me like. We could see some very sweet breakthroughs, uh, and and I'm so surprised and so happy that baseball came first and that uh, Kim Ng is the new GM of the Marlins. It's just we have a team to root for now, dude. It's yeah. it, that's it. We got to root for Derek Jeter's Marlins. I got to root for Derek Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? I feel like maybe I brought this on. By wearing the Jeter jersey for the fundraiser that I did, maybe that maybe I'm I'm somehow summoning Derek Jeter into my life. We have not talked about this, uh, but uh, I don't think on the podcast. But uh, so people will remember that you wore a Derek Jeter jersey, among other uh, humiliations. You ate fruit pie mm-hmm. and did various other things right. in order to raise money for what were you raising money for? That was at that point. It was for. It was the LA, the LA regional, food, regional bank. Food, food bank, exactly. Yeah, and uh, it was very awesome. During that time period, you you were having a real hard time finding a Derek Jeter jersey. And Have we not told this story? I don't believe yet? we've Can told I? this story. <laughs> we've told the story about you having a hard time, but I don't know that we've told right. the full version of this story. So during that time period, I went out and got you. That was my, in addition to my donation to the LA Regional Food Bank, my other donation was getting you a Derek Jeter jersey. So Right. I Well, I emailed you and said, listen, you're wired into MLB. <laughs> Could You must have a way to do this because at the time that the, the pandemic had just struck, right. everybody was in lockdown and nothing was available. Like it was hard, you know, in, in it, it was like, you're trying to order a Derek Jeter Jersey online. And meanwhile, every store online is like, we're trying to get people toilet paper and hand sanitizer, That's right. man. Like, That's just right. Lay off. Can you just get out of so the way? I, yeah. Yeah. So I said, could you maybe through the hall of fame or something? Could you help me? And you said, sure, I'm on it. So then a couple months went by and I said, Hey, did you ever Get, uh, make any progress and you were like oh yeah no it it should it should be it should there, have been there like a month ago yeah like a month ago and so i looked online uh, the, you sent me the tracking number i think i looked online and it said oh no you looked yes. right and it said to be delivered like june 8th 2027 or something <laughs> it was like it was so far away yeah so so then i was like oh god all right fine so i went on and i did a deep dive to a bunch of Yankee memorabilia store type places. I found one that could get me one within a week. So I bought it. It costs $139 <laughs> and I bought it, showed it to my house. I do the stupid thing, uh, raise a bunch of money. That was the good that part. That was the good part. And then, uh, and then throw the Derek Jeter jersey in a corner of my closet. Still not sure what I'm going to do with it. Then the PS is three months later, <laughs> right? When was it? September? It was like three, yeah, like in September. Uh, I get a package in the mail. I open it. It's a second Derek Jeter jersey <laughs> that you spent like $100 on. That I spent 138 bucks on, yeah, yeah. that I bought so you. So I now, in my house, I now have two Derek Jeter jerseys. And 
I had planned to do some kind of elaborate thing where I'll try to raise money some other way, maybe by you know burning them in a garbage can or something. But now I can't because he went nope. and did this good thing, and now I'm not only do I own two Derek Jeter jerseys, I can't like throw them in the garbage like I want to. I have to be respectful, and it just the whole thing stinks. The thing that's so incredible to me is I've, I'm trying to think like if if they had said to us. Somebody had come on this podcast and they said, is there anything that Derek Jeter could do to get out of your doghouse? <laughs> We'd be like, no. They'd be like, well, right. what if he gave a million dollars to charity? He'd be like, a million dollars is nothing to him. What do we, what do we care? What if he gave a hundred million? I don't care. He can't. There's no amount of money he can get that he can buy out no matter what he does. What I think I would have said like if he if if my if one of my children were were about to be eaten by a bear and he fought <laughs> off the bear or you know like it was something like that okay fine yes sure but uh, aside from that there's no way that I was no. coming up with a good answer and now he went and just did, he did the good. one thing that he could do <laughs> which leads right into our draft which we literally came up with uh, two seconds before we we uh, started this podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side, found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Ready to take a trip? Hear about all the must-see places with Thrillist's new series, Get Out of Town. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. Go from the East Coast to the West and everywhere in between. Like the best spot to grab a drink on the San Antonio Riverwalk. There's a million reasons to get out of town. The only hard part is choosing where to go first. Listen to Get Out of Town with Thrillist everywhere you get podcasts. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. Uh, We are going to draft teams that we like, even though we don't really know why. So, I mean, everybody knows that Mike is a, a, a Red Sox fan, a, a, a Boston sports fan in general, Patriots fan, Celtics, uh, and also has, as because of his son, took on a little bit of the Los Angeles thing, the Dodgers in particular. Everybody knows I grew up in Cleveland uh, and, and, uh, and, and like the Cleveland teams, but also living in Kansas City for many years and have an affinity for the, for the Kansas City team. So those don't count. Those, those don't count. What we're talking right. about here are across sports teams that we don't even understand why we like them, but we just kind of do. We just kind of like them. We just kind of root for them. And obviously, we know where it's going to start. So do you want to take the first pick or, or should I? Sure. I'll take the first pick. Yeah. Although, wait, did I have it last? It doesn't matter. I think Who you cares? did have it last time. But you can have it right, again. Go ahead. Then you go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you get the, first pick the first pick is the Marlins. I mean, that's that's right. that's the whole point of this thing. So now I like the Marlins. And, and I got to say, even within the confines, like I would rate teams in, you know, they're probably more than three buckets, but three general buckets. One, like them, you know, have, have, have a strong affinity for them. Two, really don't like them, can't stand them, they're the worst. And three, don't care, don't care at all. And right. I would say, interestingly for me, 
before this, the Marlins were not even in the don't care. They were in the don't like. I didn't like the Marlins. I mean, you know, I have a personal history. The Marlins, of course, beat Cleveland in the World Series in 97 in that very uh, sort of heartbreaking way. Uh, I don't like the way that team has been run. Uh, I don't like, you know, that they've sold off uh, all of the things. I wasn't, I mean, of course I was happy when they beat the Yankees in the World Series, but I wasn't, like, it wasn't pure joy because I just don't like the Marlins. But now I do. Now I love yeah. them. I yeah. could not, I'm like, I am totally in on the Marlins. I, I'm I, all in, man. Sisto, Sisto Sanchez, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> I'm so in. I think, by the way, that's why, getting back to Real Mudo, uh, the fact that they gave up Sisto for him, right? Didn't, didn't, isn't that who they, I believe so. I think yeah. that's who they traded. So, so uh, maybe the Phillies will give him all that money because they just, they can't. Because Philly fans will just boo them to to the you know to hell at that point if they <laughs> if they don't. So yeah, so I'm I'm into the Marlins now. It's uh, this one I can't explain. Obviously, there's only one reason, but yeah, I'm a Marlins fan. Yeah. Full 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 blown Marlins R- fan. Right for now for the Marlins. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. Um, all right, with my first pick, I'm taking the Phoenix Suns. Wow, uh, the, that's Phoenix an interesting Suns, one. Well, the Phoenix Suns just traded for Chris Paul, mm. which and about a hundred years ago on this very podcast. Uh, you talked for uh, very eloquently for like 20 minutes about how you had a basketball crush on Chris Paul. Yes. Uh, which came, which comes back to me every time I see Chris Paul. It was an excellent monologue, now lost to history, uh, because at the time we were recording the podcast on a reel-to-reel tape player, and we lost all the, we lost all the masters because it was so long ago. But Chris Paul is the best. Chris Paul is oh. hilarious. He's ornery. And 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 cruel to his teammates, and he's constantly barking at everybody. And he's like 36 or 35 years old, but he's also just the most wonderful athlete. He just is like a delight to watch. And yes. now, and that Phoenix Suns team, which went eight and zero in the bubble, and which already were really exciting because of Devin Booker and Aiton and all those all these like super young guys. They're this just lost team. They're playing in the middle of the desert in a town that doesn't care about basketball, really. Uh, And they now are going to have like a legit shot, I think, at making waves in the playoffs. Now, the West is really tough. You know, like they they went 8-0 in the bubble, didn't even make the playoffs this year. So, like, I'm not saying like Chris Paul is going to win a ring. I'm just saying that I kind of like the team. I love Booker. Booker's, they now have like, they have two guys on their team who are like five, six and are the best athletes on the floor whenever they're on the floor. That's going to be really fun. And watching him dish to Aiton and watching him dish to and finding now that Booker doesn't have to handle the ball ever. I kind of think this might be a really exciting and interesting team to watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on board the Phoenix Suns bandwagon. I kind of, I kind of dig, I kind of dig that. Now here's the question. The only question for me about Chris Ball going there. Is that the end of Ricky Rubio in Phoenix? Is that like yeah? He his... went the other way in the deal. Oh, so he went the other day in the deal. Okay, yeah. so yeah, because I kind of I kind of dug Ricky Rubio. Oh, Rubio's great. Yeah, it was a delight. But yeah, Chris Paul, just watching Chris Paul dribble, I could just watch just that for hours. Like, there's something about just the smooth way he moves and the smooth way he dribbles that just I, I just think he's he just also has he knows what is happening on the court 
he knows what everyone is doing all the everyone. time and what yes. and what they should be doing. He's yeah. like him and Rondo in the playoffs are the two guys who were like, no, you you're four feet that way. You should be that way. You come over here. Like they just they have such an understand a deep understanding. It's a kind of athletic genius that even other athletic geniuses don't have. It's that it's that whatever yeah, you right. want to call it, that sort of awareness of the of the court that is just so delightful and fun to watch. He's so fun. He's so fun. I think that's a good pick. And you know what? I'm going to follow it up with my second pick. I'm going to go right to where you are because I have always had this weird like of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't, I have no idea why I really don't. Now I know why, because Kyler Murray is, is an absurdity. He is just a pure and simple absurdity at a time when all quarterbacks in the NFL are unstoppable, right? There's like, there's like literally no quarterback other than like Baker Mayfield. Most of the time these days, uh, there's no quarterback that doesn't throw for 500 yards and, and four touchdowns every single game now. But Kyler Murray is, I don't know. It's just cause he just is so, he seems, he seems so small, you know, he seems so little and he's just running around. And I mean, he is short. I mean, he's five ten, but he has like this, this like super duper. He's like, he's like supercharged fast. I'm sure that there are other quarterbacks or other players that are as fast as he is, but they don't look as fast because of the way that his body shaped and, and all this. And he's just a, so much fun to watch. And of course we just, we were recording this the day after he hit the, ridiculous Hail Mary uh, to be Hail Murray where he was basically the Hail Murray. That's right. Where he was basically (laughs) falling out of bounds and he somehow threw the ball 60 yards in the air and, and uh, Deandre Hopkins just went up and got it. It was, it's delightful. I don't know why, but I've always kind of liked the Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, so that's going to be my second pick. I'm going to choose the Cardinals. It's a good pick. They they were, they were on my board. I, I, I'm right with you. Uh, they, have again it's like they're playing in the middle of a desert and they're kind of an afterthought <laughs> and they made that one super bowl that they should have won except for stupid roethlisberger Ugh. and uh Ugh. and uh and now now there's like a legit reason yes to uh to like them um no that's a good pick my second pick i'm going with the padres uh, that uh was my, yeah, that's a good pick. the padres are again afterthought like right. they, they're the least famous baseball team in their own <laughs> state and there's like four of them <laughs> And yet they're so fun. They're like a really fun team. They're as fun as I, I would pick the White Sox here, except that I can't until they until they cut bait on La Russa. Yeah, it's over. Gotcha. It's over for them. They, they can't yeah. be. That's it. Uh, but uh, Tatis is just a monster. And um, they they re-sign Clevenger, although he has Tom, he's going to have Tommy John. So he's going to miss the whole year. So they probably won't in all likelihood they don't build on what they had this year but maybe they will who they knows because they're so young you know yeah and, but i just i just like i like any team that is just mediocre and an afterthought for decades and decades and decades and then suddenly just are like wait a second this team is really fun they've got a bunch of really fun guys on their team you know uh and and they i like also any team part of this for me is in terms of the category of teams you like and you don't there's no real reason to it's teams are like with long droughts long championship yes. droughts that's always a good one uh the padres have never won the world series still um but but teams that like are are afterthoughts in their own state i think is like a good category so besides just being fun to watch and having a lot of good young players i just want i want the padres to like rise up 
and and uh, and be a force in California baseball. Well, plus you're missing one of the key ingredients with the Padres, which is the uniform. Oh, of course. Oh my gosh, the brown. It's the greatest. It's the best uniform in sports right now. Are we saying did I see that they're going back to those old ones or am I making that up? No, no, they are. They went back they this are, right? year yeah. to the brown right. and and they're I mean they don't they're not they don't wear it every game, which is oh, okay. you know, ridiculous, but but they wear it, you know, and now it's a regular part of their rotation. And those brown uniforms, first of all, brown is just a is just a great uniform color. It's just so if used right. I mean, you know, I, I even being a Browns fan, I, I can't tell you that the Browns always use brown the way they should. Um, but Padres, oh man, that uniform rules, just rules. Oh, they're that's just a great pick. Padres are just a joy, just an absolute joy. Um, I don't, I don't have a great reason. For my third pick, I just, I just don't, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because of the city, because I like the city, but I, I always, I just kind of like the Portland Trailblazers. I, I, I don't really have a great. I mean, like I've always have, like I, like I've always kind of had like a, uh, like a little, you know, soft spot in my heart for the Portland Trailblazers. Maybe it's because, again, you know, much like everybody else, like they're 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 kind of an afterthought, even though they've been good. They're kind of an afterthought. Right. And and they never win. It's like you you can just at the beginning of the year, you could just write it off. They're, they're, they're just never going to win. But it's like the, it's the only team in that really cool city. And and they love them there, but they don't you know, they love them, but they're kind of like, eh, you know, it's never it's never really going to happen. Um they're not. I don't. I don't know that I love this. I do like Lillard, uh, Lillard a lot. I mean, I. I. I think he's, yeah, of course, he's terrific. But that guy rules. He rules. But the rest of. I mean, you know, McCollum's fine. I mean, they're. They're. They're fine. I mean, they're. They're fun to watch. But there's just something sort of bigger about the Portland Trailblazers uh, that I like, and. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I kind of root well, for I them. Well, I think. I think you hit. You hit it on the head. You undersold it. But two key things are one is. They have one of the most exciting players in the yes, game. Lillard, yes. Lillard is incredible. He's an incredible player. But two, and this is another important factor in the, I don't know, really know why I like this team, but I do. They're the only team in the whole city in any sport. Yes, that's and, right. And, I, that's and right. That is a, that's a really big deal because when you're the only team, it's like the weight of the entire region is on your shoulders. Yes. You know, and for that reason, my number three pick is the Bills. So the Ooh. Bills, yeah, the Bills have been so bad for so long and so sad, and now they have the weirdest assemblage of talent. They're, it's so weird, that team. They have a white quarterback who had like a 48-year, 48% completion percentage in college who now is like a legit MVP candidate, who it turns out is like the one of the best scrambling quarterbacks in the league. Ridiculous. Who, and yeah. is completing like 79% of his passes somehow. <laughs> they have Stephon Diggs, who's great. They have, uh, they have these weird... Uh, defensive players that like are this it's like a hodgepodge from other teams but their defense is somehow really good and they it's like it's it shouldn't be working but somehow it's working right. and i just i just know as maniac as bills fans are i just know how happy it would make all of upstate new york and a third of like canada if they could <laughs> somehow legitimately like get back to a super bowl and win it they would just be 
it's a crazy long shot. It probably won't happen. The Chiefs are in the way, and the Ravens are in the way, and all Steelers. these other teams that are that are that are jet, that are better yeah. are in the way, and the Steelers are in the way. Yeah, but I just it's like the reason to root for a team that you don't really care about is because of how happy it would make. Ugh. I saw the I saw the Patriots, my beloved New England Patriots, lose to the Eagles. And I wasn't sad at all. Now, granted, my team had won 11 other Super Bowls in the last 12 years. But th- just because the Eagles Eagles fans were so long-suffering and so miserable, and like at some point in your life as a sports fan, you switch from just being completely one, like tunnel-visioned about your fandom to just understanding that, that like, other groups of people need to celebrate sometimes. Yes. Yes. And, I, and, it, and it really would. The Bills are like this weird pet cause of mine that like now now that Brady's gone it doesn't none of this matters and I mean it never mattered but it really doesn't matter at all I really want the bills to like come out of the AFC somehow and like shock everybody I think that would be really fun I I totally agree to the point where I'm going to even uh use my fourth pick uh to to feed off of you because one I love Buffalo I love Buffalo I'm, you know let me look it's Buffalo is basically Cleveland with more snow. So it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, I would feel close to it, but I just, I just, every time I go to Buffalo, I just feel, uh, I just feel at home. I love Buffalo. I love those people. They're, they, you know, as a, as a Clevelander, I feel like I can speak with some authority on what it's like to, to feel sports pain. And I gotta, I gotta say, I think Buffalo's had it even harder in some way. I mean, they never had LeBron, yeah. right? So, so you know, they the the Bills have just those four Super Bowls. That's crushing, you know. I mean, it, and four in a row. I mean, it's it was four in a row. <laughs> it's and then so then it's four in a row, and you know, and you you, you lose, and and really, except for the you, one of them, you lose in an absurd heartbreak fashion where your guy misses the field goal at the end. But the other ones are kind of blowouts anyway. You're not really even in them. And you kind of, by the fourth one, you already know the result before the game even starts. And then the team becomes terrible. Like not even going to make the playoffs terrible. And then they draft Josh Allen and everybody, everybody's like, you guys are going to be terrible for the next hundred years. <laughs> that You just took Ryan Leaf with the with your pick and you're going to be terrible forever. And then it's like, no, Josh Allen is good. Like he's a good player. And he, I mean, I want it so badly for them. So with my fourth pick, I'm going to also choose uh, a team that I don't follow that closely because I don't follow the hockey that closely, but if if I had a team in hockey, it would be the Buffalo Sabres. I just I just want it for that city. They have been terrible now for a, a decade, the Sabres have. The Sabres also had that Stanley Cup final that you might remember where they lost when they had that goal where they had the foot in the crease or whatever it was. And like it was just a perfect Buffalo heartbreak moment. And yep. and and you know, and now they're that team is terrible and they, you know, fire, you know, coaches every other week and and it's it's brutal. And man, that city doesn't deserve that. It's hard to live in Buffalo. Like, like you go into Buffalo and say to people, like, "Hey, man, what's it like living here?" And like, it's. Have you seen Buffalo winners? I mean, remember a couple of years ago where where literally people were opening the door of their house and it would just be a wall of snow in front of yeah. their door. I yeah. mean, it's it's tough. They deserve a winning sports team in Buffalo. So. I am so with you on this, and I'm going to choose the Sabres for my fourth pick. It's a great pick. Great pick. Love it. Um, 
Uh, my fourth pick is the Denver Nuggets. Oh, that's I interesting. Don't, I don't know why. Yeah. I have no monologue for this. I haven't. I, I don't. I can't explain it. I just kind of like the Denver Nuggets. I kind of like. I kind of like their logo. Is it this team or all or all time? No, I've always kind of liked them. I always kind of thought like because remember they there was a time when I was a kid when we were kids when. I, what's that guy's name who was running the team? And they scored like 170 points. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, with, when they had like Kiki Vanderway and like Kiki Vanderway. Good- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and now this team with Jokic and Jamal Murray, I find them really fun. I, like, do I think they're a really fun team to watch. No, Jokic did that weird thing where the pandemic hit and everybody went away and then he came back and he'd lost like a hundred pounds and it was suddenly like really skinny. And he's like a absurdity. He's a slow seven foot, two inch tall guy. Who's like the best passer in the league. He's just an amazingly fun guy to watch. And I've always kind of liked them. And I was kind of rooting for them this year. And I I don't know anything about Michael Malone, but I kind of like Michael Malone. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of. I'm just kind of into it. I just like the Nuggets. They seem like nobody takes them seriously, and they put on a really fun show uh, in the playoffs this year. And uh, I'm. I'm. I want them. If the. If I want the. Uh, the uh, Suns to make waves. I also want the Nuggets to make waves. I would love it if they, those two teams could could improve next year. Yeah, you know the the Nuggets. Uh really are one of these bizarre teams that like you never they're just they're they're a lot like the Suns and a lot like uh Portland and that's like you never really think they're gonna win it ever no ever no. like you know and and they're like oh they have they have a good team they're not gonna win it it's like every year I mean all those George Carl years where they were like hey they're good they're not that good they're never that good you know and and it just they got Carmelo and it was like, oh, Carmelo's going to be and like, no, that's not that's not going <laughs> to that's not going to work out. And then, uh, you know, Alex English was one of my favorite players when I was young. Remember Alex English? Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was I mean, terrific. He was, like, uh, what was the movie he was in? Um, oh, that's right. He was he was was he in the fish that saved Pittsburgh? No, he was. That was uh, Dr. Joe was. No, he was in the movie about like nuclear disarmament. Remember, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. What? Uh, hold on. I'm, you keep talking. I'm gonna look this up. Yeah, I liked him uh, because wasn't Alex English the one that like he would like he literally he would like shoot a set shot. Like he wouldn't even take jump shots. He was just shooting shooting set shots. But you still couldn't block it. And that guy averaged like thirty. That was back in the days when you could, where lots of guys averaged like thirty points a game. But yeah, Alex English it's, was, it was amazing. Grace and Chuck. Oh, that's right. That? that's right. Yes, and he plays. He I think in the movie he's a Celtic. And he reads a story about a kid who uh, said he's not going to like go to school or something unless until all the nuclear bombs are gone. And then he's like, "All right, I'm not going to play basketball either." <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and it's it, Alex English is like weirdly good in it. Like he's a really good actor. Yet another reason to love the Nuggets. How good I love him. Alex I love English him. was in Amazing Grace and Chuck in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> all right, with my fifth pick, I'm going to go back to baseball. Um, I've always had, and and I wouldn't say always because there was a stretch of time where it was the popular thing to be, and I don't think I liked them during that time. But over the last twenty years or so, I've had a thing for the Seattle Mariners. I I just you know of course you got to you got to it's everything. It's Seattle, the town. It's the fact that they're never ever good. Like they're they always like kind of give you some hope, and then. That doesn't work out, and and you know, and they've they've had so many 
fun players. I mean, even since the Griffey days, I mean, Felix was just wonderful and Edgar was wonderful and, and obviously Ishiro, he couldn't be more wonderful. And, and, you know, that team just felt, and I like Jerry DePoto a lot as, as the GM. I don't know if that's going to work out ever, but I, I like him a lot. So I like the Mariners, man. I don't know. I don't think I like this team particularly. I mean, I yeah, don't... it's not like an amazing Mariners team right now. No, um, they have Kyle Lewis. That's pretty cool. Kyle but, Lewis is um, good, right? Yeah. Right. Have you seen? Have you watched the Dorktown series about the Mariners? No, the, I haven't. You know, so SB Nation, John Boys, and and a couple other people do this thing called Dorktown. That through SB Nation, and they did like a twelve part documentary on the history of the Seattle Mariners, <laughs> and it's utterly delightful. It's so 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 wonderful. If you haven't watched it out there, you don't have to like the Mariners to like it. They're really, really good. Um, they tell like the entire history of the entire franchise, and it's bananas. It's really like one oh, of the weirdest it. franchises in sports. <laughs> but you gotta love the Mariners. Any again, any team that's never won the World Series, you gotta root for them. You gotta root the for them. Exactly yeah. right. It's exactly right. All right, my fifth pick is the weirdest pick I've ever made in any draft ever. Are you ready for this? <laughs> oh boy, this is what's gonna be. It's the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. <laughs> so I don't have, I don't, I'm not a hockey guy. I never have been. Um, I don't know uh, anything about any of these teams. For all I know, the Winnipeg Jets are, are, are owned and operated by like Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it. So I apologize. If they're a terrible franchise, I apologize. But the story of the Winnipeg Jets is that they were, they were a world hockey association team in the seventies. And then they were absorbed. They actually were successful uh, and had a fan base, and they were absorbed into the NHL. And then uh, they, you know, because it's Winnipeg, they, uh, in 1996 or something, or seven, they disappear, and they're basically moved to Atlanta. Uh, or, or there's a there's a franchise a movement, and, and, the, and the Atlanta Thrashers show That's up right, in, the the, thrashers. in the late night, right? right? So then the Thrashers are around for a few years, and then whatever. And then they... They, who cares about the Atlanta Thrashers? And they moved back to Winnipeg. And so they've been back in Winnipeg since 2011. And the reason that I that I root for them, uh, even though I won't watch any hockey or really care, is that <laughs> I just am so sad. As a guy who grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, the, the Whalers were all we had. And the Whalers left when I was a kid. And they went to Carolina and they became the Hurricanes. And I just feel so bad for the Winnipeg Jets that they had this team, this World Hockey Association team, supported it like crazy. Then they got to the NHL, and everyone must have been thrilled. And then the indignity of that era of the NHL when like the North Stars move from Minnesota, where there should be a hockey team, to right. Dallas, where there should not be a hockey team. Right. And our old friend Jerry Colangelo moves, uh, moves the Winnipeg Jets to or uh, he moved some team to Phoenix, right? So that now there's a Phoenix. That's right. There's a team in Phoenix. There shouldn't be a hockey team in Phoenix. <laughs> there shouldn't be a hockey team in Atlanta, really. There should be a hockey team in goddamn Winnipeg. That's where <laughs> that's where hockey teams belong. And so, so I'm like, it's so sad that they left, and now there's a team in Atlanta, and now it's so great that they're back. And I don't think they're any good or anything, but I love their logo. I love the fact that they are in Winnipeg. I just want like the. I just want places like Winnipeg that deserve um, to have hockey teams 
have hockey teams and I want them to succeed. And yeah. and so that for that reason, I, I, I root for all Canadian hockey teams, the Maple Leafs, the Canadiens, the Nordiques, if they're still around, <laughs> the, the Winnipeg Jets, the Edmonton Oilers. Like that's where hockey should be played and that is where hockey is appreciated. And so that's, so I'm rooting for the Winnipeg Jets. And and by the way, their logo rules. Their logo is a great, is a it's great, a like great weird, logo. Yeah. There, in fact, there's a, a few of them. There's like a fighter jet one with over a maple leaf, which is cool. And then there's the kind of throwback with the weird font with the giant J that also looks great. And I and I I don't know. I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan. What can I tell you? You think there are a lot of jets around Winnipeg, by the way? Do you feel like that that's like a, a I logo? That... Why they put it? I, there's like, is that where the Canadian Air Force is Maybe headquartered is. or something? That, that I don't know. Be. Well, there's yeah. another reason to love the Winnipeg Jets. And, and just as a general rule and the other teams you mentioned. Because this is one of my big things. We've never talked about this on the podcast. We never talk about hockey. But one of my big things in sports, no Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup since 1993. That's insane. Right? When the Montreal Canadiens won in 1993. So in that time, teams in Tampa Bay, <laughs> teams in Dallas, teams in Anaheim. Tampa Bay's won twice, for crying out loud. How about Los Angeles? Uh, Los Angeles and yeah. and Anaheim both they both won, uh, New Jersey. I mean, just ugh, come on, come on, come on, Canada. Come on, I mean, <laughs> we don't care. I mean, that is the ultimate in American exceptionalism, right there. Like we don't even care. I mean, I'm sure in those cities they care, but we as a country don't care. Canada, that's all they care about. That's like yeah. it's like number one it's on their. It's such care a bummer. List. It's such a bummer when the when the it gets down to like Tampa Bay and Dallas. <laughs> I that's know. A, that's not that's I, not a hockey situation. No, and these cities have no business having hockey in them. You're in Calgary or or Winnipeg, and you're like, ugh, what is this? And of course, they're the ones still watching. They're still, of course, because right. everybody on the team is Canadian. But it's like so it's Tampa helps. Bay and Dallas and Anaheim, and it's they're playing the Stanley Cup in June. It's like ninety four <laughs> degrees outside. It's just ridiculous. It's an absurdity. It's absurdity. Give Canada. That's it. That's my. I mean, I'm rooting for all Canadian teams, but I'll I'll start with Winnipeg. Winnipeg's no good. That's the. Let's problem. make the Winnipeg. let's make the Winnipeg Jets the official hockey team of the podcast. They are the Winnipeg Jets have just been named <laughs> official hockey team of the podcast with the Buffalo Sabers. Is Buffalo? Here's the question: If Buffalo finally won a Stanley Cup, would that be a victory for Canada? It kind of would. They would claim it as a victory. It'd be like what I've mentioned this before, but when Ray Bork was fi- was traded from the Bruins uh, to the Avalanche, and they, they finally he, they got him a Stanley Cup, then there were there was a parade in Boston for for a guy <laughs> who is now playing on the Colorado Avalanche. It's just which, so it's like it would be that kind of a deal. Which did remind me, I sent you this uh, the story uh, to both you and Brandon. Uh, since we can wrap this up with Kim Ng, uh, when Kim Ng got hired. Uh, one of the New Jersey papers, I think it was probably the Star-Ledger, the Newark paper, but one of the New Jersey papers, the headline was something like, former Yankee GM and New, and, uh, New Jersey resident named, uh, you know, breaks, breaks barrier as women GM. I love that stuff so Fantastic. much. I love oh, when the locals, <laughs> it's the absolute best. When you're just like, no, no, this is, uh, you know, what, what's the news here? You're in that newsroom. You're like, hey, the, the Marlins just hired the first woman. 
Hey, she's from New Jersey. She is. She lived here for a little while. Right. All right. <laughs> that is that is sounding like my kind of story right there. Find the oh, local angle, it. baby. That's <laughs> what we do. All right. Time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. And uh, do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, I. Mine is actually related to sports, which is uh, there's a rumor that James Harden wants to go to the Nets. And um, I I have to root for this now because a team with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant oh is just going to be the most wonderful. My comment on it when I saw it, I tweeted this. I, when I first saw it, I was like, can, are they, is the NBA going to let them somehow play with three basketballs? Because oh that's gosh, the only yes. possible way that they'll all be happy. But regardless, three true weirdos, three deeply <laughs> weird people who are also three of the 10 best basketball players on the planet all on one team in Brooklyn, New York, Ugh. is just too is too wonderful to pass up. I think we have to root for this to happen, right? It's like a it's like a, a one of those old-fashioned rock and roll supergroups, right? It's like, like yes, let's 100%. Put the, like let's put the traveling Wilburys together and here they are, you know, we're going to put uh, put all these people or or Asia. We're just going to pick like this great right. guitarist or, and great this To and go back even this. further, it's Blind Faith, right? Blind it's, Faith, it's, exactly. It's Eric Clapton and Steve Winwood and Ginger Baker and like get the get the basis from the Jimi Hendrix experience in there if you want to. I don't know. Just, just yeah, just throw them all together. And throw see what them all happens. together. And it's gonna be great. So yeah, oh, I love it. I love it so much. And and that's really good because man, that Nets team is like since they got to Brooklyn, they were weird in New Jersey, but since they got to Brooklyn, that is just the most bizarre team. Period. Right. By the way, were- the, that's the other, that's the other crazy thing about. About next year in the NBA, side note, is that the Raptors might have to play in New Jersey because, <laughs> because, because of Canadian uh, COVID restrictions. So you might have the Toronto, New Jersey Raptors. And then across the bridge there, you've got uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh I mean, gosh. this is it's just wonderful. I can't it, wait to see what happens. It's going to be so great. All right. My one last meaningless thing is truly I think I've I think I've nailed the meaninglessness of, of this one because it is truly meaningless. So I the only thing I do uh in in this time of COVID is I do play tennis. That is like the one thing that that I do that I can leave the house and, and go out and I've been playing a lot of tennis, which is great. When I play tennis, uh I go uh I I, I you know go to the to the tennis court and then I, I go to my trunk and I change shoes, put on my, my tennis shoes, go play tennis, come back, put my regular shoes back on and 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 leave. That's very simple. A couple of weeks ago, I go out to the tennis court to play some tennis. I change shoes. I put, you know, put on my tennis shoes. I go out to the court. I come back. There's one shoe. Just one shoe in the car. And I'm looking around everywhere like did it fall out like i don't even know how it would fall out of the trunk did it fall out is it there's it's nowhere to be found 
just it's gone. I literally just lost a shoe. <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> and this has been, I wouldn't say keeping me up at night because there's plenty of other things that that are obviously keeping me up at night. But I have not stopped thinking about me losing that shoe. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they were old shoes. I don't, I don't particularly care about the shoe itself. I, I, I'm, I got new shoes or whatever. But uh, what happened? How did I lose that one shoe? What is? It is like I, I am completely baffled. And I wish I had like a, a video camera following me around so that I could understand. So wait, how you I put lost it in. You shoe. put it in the car. And then when you definitely was in the trunk, like I always do, just put it in the trunk, put both shoes in the trunk of the car, shut the trunk, left, came back one shoe. So I, you know, I mean, I thought, okay, well maybe it fell out and then somebody came by and picked up the one shoe and like, why would they do that? Like that makes no sense. I'm going to like, did a dog come by and grab it or something? (laughs) Maybe a dog. Man, it could be a dog. Bizarre. A dog could have seen the shoe. It is. Really Are you bizarre. sure it's, it didn't it is... like accidentally fall into like the the spare tire uh, area well, I, or something? I, that was my thought too, and I did. I went through every nook and cranny of that trunk. It is gone. That shoe wow. is gone. So yeah. So that's just one of these weird. I don't know. Did I? I thought as soon as it happened, I thought, well, that's meaningless. But it's pretty meaningless. I, it is. It yeah. is. It is on my mind. It is definitely on my mind. <laughs> Congratulations on perfecting the art of the meaningless <laughs> thing. That's really good. Kimming! Is this the greatest? What a time we live in. Kimming yeah. is the is the general manager of the Marlins. Congratulations, Kim. Uh, enjoy one of the hardest jobs in sports. <laughs> I was going to say, just it's going to be great. Two, two pieces of advice. One, uh, do it your way. And two... Don't listen to talk radio. Just don't. Just don't. you oh, know what? God, yeah. I watched. Uh, this could have been my meaningless thing too. I watched Draft Day. Have you ever seen Draft Day? I've never seen it. No. It is. It is truly horrible. But <laughs> I can't believe I haven't seen it before because it's about the Browns. But one of the things in Draft Day, I, I will write a whole piece about my my uh, experience watching Draft Day. But one of the things about Draft Day is he listens to talk radio all the time. So he's listening to them like rip him like constantly. And I know there are GMs out there that do that, that listen to talk radio and 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 seethe publicly, you know, privately, whatever, seethe. Some probably call in to the shows, but they seethe. Man, I cannot think of anything more self-destructive than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's Don't a do bad it. idea. That's also a big part of Friday Night Lights, the the movie version at least, is just the 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 way in which the opinions of the town and of the reporters and stuff are just like all over him, all over the coach of Permian. <laughs> Uh, and he can't go to the supermarket. He can't go anywhere. I mean, again, this will help, I believe, Ms. Eng, uh, if she moves around uh, Miami because no one cares about the Marlins. So <laughs> you won't, you'll never. Actually, you, actually, that's true. Nobody will be talking about them on talk radio. No one. So. She can listen to talk radio all she wants. And she's never going to hear anybody. It'll be, it'll be great. She'll listen to talk radio. But people hate the Dolphins here. Man, that is really brutal. All right, Mike. Well, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login (laughs) for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. 
so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Yes, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package.